passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General John McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody! Welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. This is our uh, last episode before the Texans take on the Atlanta Falcons Sunday in Atlanta, Week Five. Two and two Texans against the two and two Falcons. Something's got to give. The irresistible force meets the immovable object, kind of, I suppose. Texans are the hotter of the two teams. They've won two in a row. Falcons have lost two in a row since a 2-0 start. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast. Mornings on Sports Radio 610. Joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, uh, this is uh, this is fun this weekend. Uh, the Texans, we talked about how that... If they were able to beat the Steelers, it's a gateway to a lot of things here with the softer part of the schedule coming up and all these NFC South teams. Here we are on the softer spot of the schedule coming up here. Texans have back-to-back victories by at least 20 points for the first time since 15. Astros in the American League Division Series. and m hosting Alabama and Texas is playing Oklahoma. So it is a great time to be a sports fan in Houston. It is, it is, man. It's gonna, it's gonna be tough stacking up all these things, figuring out what to, figuring out what to, what gets the big screen right there. But John, I, you, you're outdoing me this time. You know, I like to brag about my media wall, but as soon as I started doing that, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna be in a suite in the inside the center field fence for the Astros game on Saturday. Is it right Saturday or Sunday or both or what, what's this? Saturday? I can't do Sunday because uh, I have a podcast to do at six 45 and this game starting is at seven Oh three. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You do a podcast on Sundays as do, do I. Utopia yep. football podcast, yeah, but baby. I will be there Saturday. Uh, compliment compliments of mattress Mac. 
We love Mattress Mac. Yeah, we're, we're a big pro Mattress Mac podcast here on the Utopia Football Podcast. No doubt about that. All right, we'll, we'll spend a few minutes on the Astros, John, in just a little bit. But let's, uh, let's give the people what they came to the store for. And that is a preview of this Atlanta, uh, this Texans-Falcons game in Atlanta on Sunday, noon kickoff. You can hear it, of course, on Sports Radio 610. I'll have Texans countdown starting at 9 a.m. Uh, with Seth Payne. And then Clint Sterner and I will be on the postgame show until 6.30. And it's actually, man, between the Astros and you got one of the best Sunday night football games of the year, too, with the Cowboys and the 49ers this weekend. So it's you're right, John. This is a great, great sports watching weekend. But let's get into this Falcons Texans matchup here. It's a matchup that opened with the Falcons favored by about a field goal. Last I checked, that line has come down. I got on it when the Texans got down to uh, plus one. It went back up to plus two. I'm checking right now frantically as we do this just to see what the line is on the game just because I know that there are people that do come to the store for that sort of thing here uh, to get our thought. Okay, Atlanta minus one and a half. So it's kind of settled in with, hey, the Texans are the better team, but Atlanta has the home field. When you're favored by less than three points, it usually means the better team's the other team, but you got home field advantage. So um, I guess before we get into the six-pack, just initial thoughts on where we're at with the Texans and health-wise. We got some good news health-wise this week as well. Texans are hot. The Falcons are not. They have problems with Desmond Ritter throwing the ball, their second-year quarterback. Bijan Robinson has faced a higher percentage of eight-man fronts than any running back in the league, but it hadn't slowed him down. And last week, they lined him up running back in the slot and even two plays at wide receiver. So it's going to be fun to see what D'Amico Ryans has up his sleeve. For, and they, it's Bijan. You know, his family calls him Bijan. And I noticed Stroud called him Bijan this week. And uh, I'm so used to calling Bijan, but Bijan, see what he's got with him lined up for when he is uh, at receiver, whether he's wide or he's in the slot. But we know from watching him at UT, he's such a great weapon and fun to watch. And those guys coming back, Laramie Tunsil, left tackle, Titus Howard at right tackle. Look at Cam Johnston, the punter, is coming back, and he can mean another 10 yards difference in field position for the opponent offense, which should benefit D'Amico Ryans because he calls those defenses. And I don't think Juice Scruggs is ready to come back, but truthfully, Jared Patterson's playing so well, they can wait till he's 100% before they activate him. But they, they're in the best physical condition they've been in since the season started. Yeah, the, it it does feel like there's that's that part starting to come together. I don't want to know what the other shoe dropping could be medically coming out of this game. So let's just hope everybody uh, everybody stays healthy coming out of this thing. And John, they're getting a lot of love around the league right now. The Texans. D'Amico Ryan is on the Pardon My Take podcast. Uh, C.J. Stroud is on the Pat McAfee show today. Nico Collins is doing national shows. Um, if they win this game, you know, who knows? There were some of the some of the power rankings. You cited Mike Florio's got him on the cusp of the top 10 right now. He's got him 11th, CBS, Pete Prisco has them 12th. I saw a couple of them. I think the NFL.com one had him 14th or 15th. The Athletic had him 14th or 15th, you know, somewhere in there. Um, the Texans win this game. They're knocking on the door of being considered one of the top 10 teams. Well, they're already knocking on the door. They might be, depending on how they look in this game, if they look – dominant for the third straight game, they may be getting some top 10 love early in the season here. It's hard to believe, Sean, that this is the first time they could win three in a row since 2018. Wow. I felt sure in 2019 when they finished 10 and six and won the division, beat the Bills in the playoffs, somewhere in there was a three-game winning streak, but it wasn't. 
So we're going all the way back to that. What was it? Nine game winning streak. Nine games. Yeah. Started zero and three, and then won the next nine. Yeah. Yep. I don't know that that one is in jeopardy, but I think if they could beat the Falcons, Falcons are certainly beatable. Then they're going to get even more attention. The Athletic calls them the number one surprise in the league, and uh, it's amazing to me. People who have Puka Nakua, the uh, fifth-round pick wide receiver for the Rams as the leader and offensive player of the year over C.J. Stroud. He's offensive rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year, yes, yes. As the uh, over Stroud, which, of course, people in L.A. are going to thank Nakua and people here are going to say Stroud, but um, I don't see how anybody could rate anybody ahead of Stroud based on what he's doing. But the Falcons, you know, they're going to run the ball. This is the best test yet for the run defense. Desmond Ritter can run. They've got three running backs, and and uh, the way this defense just played the last two games, giving up only 23 points, is pretty amazing. And I'm guessing they will contain Bijan Robinson and force Desmond Ritter to throw the ball. Yeah, I think so too. That's the that's the strategy, John. Anybody who's got Nakua, who's been amazing this year, he's been a great story. A- anybody who's got him over. CJ Stroud for offensive rookie of the year right now is either from LA or just thinking way too hard about it, trying to look different. Cause I, you think about what they're asking CJ Stroud to do compared to what they're asking Nakua to do. It just positionally, even if Stroud had his full complement of offensive linemen in front of him and, 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 you know, elite level weapons, he's got, I think better weapons than everybody thought he had. Um, I would still give it to C.J. Stroud based on playing the quarterback position. You know, it's just a much harder – in that system, too. <clears throat> just it's a much harder thing that he's being asked to do, let alone with third-string offensive linemen in front of him. I, I am really excited, and we may be hijacking from the six-pack here, but who cares? There's plenty of things to put in the six-pack here to preview the game. I, John, I am, I'm incredibly excited to see C.J. Stroud operating with Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil in front of him. I mean, this is – he was already playing at a very, very high level with that offense, with the with the patchwork offensive line in front of him. I mean, this is like he just picked up two huge free agents in week five all of a sudden for an offense that's already, at least from a passing standpoint, is already clicking. Hopefully they help in the run game too, obviously. I think I told you Tuesday, and I said it again in the locker room on Wednesday, Tunzel and Howard have some big shoes to fill. <laughs> They're replacing yes. offensive tackles right. who, have, who have contributed – to pass protection that hasn't allowed a sack in two games. There's no false starts like Tunsil gets all the time. <laughs> and it's interesting. D'Amico says he wants to put his five best offensive linemen on the field. Yeah. Could that be Titus Howard at left guard? Because right. George Fan at right tackle has done an admirable job. And, you know, who is their best left guard? Kendrick Green just went down. Jimmy Morrissey just been activated from the practice squad. He's a center. He had to play left guard in the fourth quarter. That means they had three tackles, four left guards, three right guards, three right tackles that they've played going back to preseason. And so I'm not so sure it won't be Titus because he's got all that experience. And Josh Jones, who played it a little bit, Josh Jones still has a broken hand. He's not back. Tavier Thomas is coming back uh, with his broken hand. So, they're they the only guy they're missing that's important, I think, is Juice Scrugg, the center. But Jarrett Brown, Jarrett Patterson, the sixth round pick, who made the athletics all rookie team, they had six Texans on there, mm. and uh, Patterson was one of them. Although the explanation was Patterson won the job in preseason, and I'm thinking, what? 
that's what get you get when you don't have anybody covering this team. Yeah, no kidding. That's that's crazy. Well, and when you say Juice Scruggs being the only one missing of consequence, um, do you mean just on the offensive line or or in totality? Because obviously they can't wait to get Derek Stingley Jr. back here at some point. Yeah, I'm not even counting him because he's not. He's got to be out of longer. Yeah. yeah, and it didn't without it, without the top two picks last year, mm-hmm. and then without. Uh, and then this year, Stroud, of course, and Anderson. Will Anderson only has one sack. People look at that, but he's gotten double teamed third most in the league yeah. behind Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa. And he also is up like third or fourth in pressures. And that's what coaches look for. So th- that rookie class, Tank Dale, Jared Patterson, Scruggs before he got hurt, Henry Toa Toa, they've all made that athletic uh, all rookie team. And boy, that bodes well for Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryan's draft, as opposed to last year when that draft does not look very good at this point. Well, it's because, and largely because of medicals, you know, Stingley looked like he was getting off to a pretty good start just in terms of his quality of play. Kenyon Green's been a disaster. There's just no explain. He was, when he's been healthy, he's been bad. And when he's been hurt, he's been hurt and also bad. And that's that, that one, that one is going to need a major rescue job in order to salvage that pick. And that one hurts because that's one of the picks from the Deshaun Watson trade. So that just, you know, there's emotionally that one hurts that you've wasted potentially one of those picks. They got to figure something out with these hamstrings and Stingley though. But I, honestly though, John, when Nick was getting all that heat a couple weeks ago when they were 0-2 and, and Stingley was pulling a hammy and you lost both of those guys, it really is amazing what kind of deodorant winning is because nobody's mentioned <laughs> Boo about fire Nick Casario since they started winning football games. And they right? win they win a couple more. It's gonna be extend Nick Casario. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I mean like honestly, like outside of those two picks, the draft classes have kind of worked out as good as you could expect. That I you know, that the five man class in 2021 that they got Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan looks like he might be turning into something, and you got your backup quarterback in the third round out of that class. That's pretty good, considering you didn't pick till the 67th overall pick. And then in 2021, yeah, Stingley and Green are a disaster right now, but Petrie looks like he's a future Pro Bowler. Uh, Mechie is starting to come around after, after uh, getting cancer treatments a year ago. Christian Harris is starting to improve. Damian Pierce, we love Damian Pierce. I mean, they're even get, they even got snaps out of Austin Deculus last week, John, who was a sixth round pick in that draft class. So, and then you you already highlighted this year's rookie class. Like I like honestly, the first round twenty twenty two is the big that that's the big red X on Nick Casario's. Outside of that, I think Nick's done a pretty good job drafting for this team. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I think he's done a pretty good job turning this team around. You know, I try, I'm sure we both do the same, try to find as many things online as we can about the Texans. Yeah. Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network, who played guard forever, likes to highlight blocking. And he had a play against the Steelers from the All-22 film in which John Mechie blocked T.J. Watt by himself on a Damian Pierce run around the right side. And Mechie did a great job. And that's an example of what the wide receivers – 
have to do in this offense, same way the 49ers do. And the coaching, they've done a great job of coaching. They're carrying out that plan. Now they hope they don't get blown out by the Falcons. I think yeah. any way you look at it, it's going to be a close game if Atlanta wins because their offense is just not explosive. Where yeah. the Texans, can they win a third consecutive game by 20 points? D'Amico, of course, would take one by one. Yep, absolutely. Uh, win's a win, no no doubt about it. All right, let's do the six-pack, John. Six players, position groups, storylines, whatever. We can pick anything off the buffet, but the six things that matter most heading into this week five game against the Falcons. And as always, you are up. I'm going to go with Nico Collins because he's been such a big surprise and he was hurt the first two years too much. Now he's playing for an extension. He's got a chance to make a fortune. He leads the NFL in average yards per catch. He leads the NFL in yak yards after the catch. I asked Nico if he thought he'd been, if he, they had him working on a weight program going back to when they were hired in January and he said it's because of his attitude because every time he catches the ball, he's thinking touchdown. And to do that, you got to break tackles. Of course, Nico's 6'4". They list him at 215. He's not 215. Those are college weights that, for whatever reason, they will not give us accurate weights. And he has looked tremendous. And I'm guessing the Falcons are going to be double teaming him. And if they do, that should open it up for Tank Dell to get down the field. Because remember, Jacksonville did everything it could to limit the targets on on uh, on uh, Collins. And Tank Dell took advantage of it. So I can't wait to see that strategy for throwing the ball against Atlanta. How much do you think Nico weighs, John? You're the weight expert on this show. I'm guessing he weighs about, let's see, I would guess 222, some 225, <laughs> somewhere, because he is 6'4". And if he was 215 coming out of college, yeah. and we don't even know if that's accurate. I like to go back to the combine because yeah. most of them run what a player weighed in college. Right. And so I, that's why I always want up-to-date weights, but they won't give them. And I'm guessing he's at least 220, maybe 225. All right, there you go. All right, so my first one, John, is Will Anderson Jr. Will Anderson Jr., as you mentioned, he's drawn a lot of attention this year. He's getting double-teamed quite a bit. Hasn't gotten a quarterback on the ground since week one, but he's been active. He's showing up. You're not going, oh, where's 51? You know, he's you see 51 out there, and he's been he's been pretty stout in the, in the run game, too. He's made some plays. Um, this is a homecoming for Will Anderson Jr., if I'm not mistaken. He's from Georgia. Uh, originally, I believe. So he'll he'll have all 15 of his sisters at the game, I would imagine. Uh, I think he's, what is he, have five sisters? He'll, Something I, I like imagine. that. Yeah, he's he's the youngest of a, of a, a house full of girls. Um, so uh, I would imagine the whole family is going to be there. I feel like Will Anderson Jr., like it's just a matter of time. Like the, the eight or nine sacks that I was hoping he'd get this year are going to come. They're, they're, they're just going to. And he's starting to play against some quarterbacks here where he might be able to make uh, make a little bit of hay. So Will Anderson Jr. Uh, and and maybe popping a turnover in this game too is is on my list of uh, six pack guys to watch. Desmond Ritter moves around a lot, and if you move around a lot, that puts you in the area of a guy, a great pass rusher who hustles like crazy. Yeah. So he, I'm guessing when he gets his next sack, he's going to get more than one. Yeah, I I think so too. Who's your next one, John? Well, I can't leave CJ out. He's been fantastic. I love that stat. 1,200 yards, no interceptions, first four games. That doesn't seem like that big a deal. But Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning are the only quarterbacks to ever do that. And that just blows me away. 
uh, you'd think, okay, they're the, they're among the greatest ever. And Brady is the greatest ever. And Peyton's in the top five and they probably did it multiple times. Well, Brady did it three years in a row, but that, that stat, and I asked him about it on Wednesday, what he thought about being in, in that elite group. And of course he's so humble yeah. and he's such a good talker. You know, when he responded to the question about his name being in that group, he was just tremendous. By the way, I asked him yesterday on Wednesday, I said, you know, you look older. It's because his birthday was Tuesday. I asked him what he did. He went to see Creator. Uh, Creator with his family said his mom talked all the way through it. And he's like, mom, please, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> his mom's a movie talker? <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Remind okay. me never to sit close to her. Okay, whatever. You'd love to go with C.J. Stroud's family to the movies, Sean. You'd be talking about it for two weeks after. Yeah, that. and if, they, if somebody was talking, when I hear people talk, I give a big shh. You do? You're, you're oh, a shusher? Yeah. You're a shusher. Yes. You should be. It's rude to talk at the movies. I'm, it I'm, sure is. I'm with you. You know what's interesting about that list, John? Those I saw the same stat you did with those five quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Peyton, Brady, Breeze for sure. I think Rodgers and Mahomes probably skew more towards the other end. But, like, those three, not super, super physically gifted. You know what I mean? Like, just, you know, they – I mean, obviously, they're physically gifted. They're quarterbacks in the NFL. But they're not – I mean, they are pretty much just pure passers. You know, there's there's nothing about – there's there's nothing 2023 about, about their game. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is very underrated with his ability to use his legs. I think Mahomes is very mobile and just very smart about using his legs. And so when I think about CJ, like, all right, where does he fall on that? I, I think we're finding out he falls closer to the Rodgers-Mahomes end than we all thought he did coming into the NFL. Absolutely. He showed he can take off if he needs to. Ran for first down last week. He's had another one that he had called back because of a penalty. So it's like he said at the combine, why would I run the ball when my, I had such great receivers and they were open all the time? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, my next one, John, Jalen Petrie. Jalen Pete, there was a noticeable difference in this defense with Jalen Petrie on the field last week. And getting to see him and Jimmy Ward out there together for the first time was pretty cool. I don't think it's a coincidence. They only gave up six points in that game with both of those guys on the field. Petrie, the one play where Petrie really flashed in that game, you saw him, he was coming up to the line of scrimmage, and you could tell, like, oh man, this, yeah, this, this is here comes a play in the backfield, and he forced the fumble, which Pittsburgh fell on. But, um, Petrie's just so impactful, even in games when he's not creating turnovers. He's just super impactful. I think we saw that in week one against Baltimore, where it was his two blitzes before he got the knee in the chest that knocked him out for the next two and a half games. Um, the two blitzes he had on Lamar in the first half got the Texans off the field. Um, super impactful player. And I think this is the week he gets. I'm, I'm going to call it, John. This is the week that Jalen Petrie gets his first interception. You know, my, my spidey sense has been honed right now, John, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been seeing the, I've been seeing the ball pretty good. I had them covering against Jacksonville and I had them beating the Steelers two weeks before the Steeler game. I picked them to do that. So I'm seeing the ball pretty good. Petrie pick this week. I'm calling it. I asked Petrie Wednesday at his locker. I said, you're lucky you didn't get arrested after that game. He said, what are you talking about? I said, on Steven Nelson's interception, when he got up, you were motioning for him to come over and follow you. And you ran over and he hit number 14. I don't know who it was. He hit 14, knocked him down and jumped on top of him like WWE waiting for a count to be counted out. And he said, well, he kind of pulled me on top of him. I said, yeah, if you want to stick to that story, that's fine. I mean, he obliterated that Steeler <laughs> defensive back. Yeah, that's great. That's a great story. 
All right, John, what's your last one? My last one is going to be uh, the run defense, the front seven. They The Texans had six tackles for loss against the Steelers. That equaled their total for the first three games. First mm. three games, they couldn't tackle anybody in the backfield. They weren't getting penetration. They got penetration. Now, with Tyler Algiers and Bijan Robinson, they're going to need to do it again against a team that primarily runs the ball. Uh, the Falcons have a good run defense, and and, uh, and and they have a really good running game that Coach Arthur Smith likes to create a lot of opportunities out of that running game. So I'm just going to say the front seven in general because Denzel Perryman's going to come back, but uh, it wouldn't bother me if he didn't because Henry Toa Toa uh, leads all rookies and tackles, and he hasn't been a starter for every game. But uh, the linebackers' play has improved significantly since they stunk it up against the Colts. Yep, I, I agree. I like that one. All right, my um, my last one, John, we mentioned him earlier. We don't normally mention specialists, but I think Cam Johnson coming back is really big for this team. That, that, that punting was really the only part of this team that I felt was – like really bottom of the barrel. I know they haven't run the ball all that well this year, but but that's a it's behind a third string offensive line. And I think the running game has improved week to week, especially since the Colts game. It's it's you know, they they did enough in the run game last week. You know, they pounded the ball 38, 39 times for about a buck 40, kept things moving forward, stayed ahead of the chains. That that's what this running game I think is going to be until they get A, their full complement of offensive linemen back, and B, they really get their brain wrapped around this. Kubiak Shanahan system that they play in. So um the the only thing that I've watched this team do this year where I felt like they are the worst in the league at this is punting with Ty Zentner. Um Cam Johnston is the at the old total opposite end of the spectrum. He's one of the best punters in the league. And I know you kind of laid it out uh very simply, and I think there's and I think you're right. Like this is an extra 10 yards of field position. I think the biggest thing Cam Johnston brings, John, versus Ty Zentner is if you if a drive stalls early, let's say you get the ball and you go three and out and you're on your own 15-yard line. When Zentner was punting, there was the feeling to me like, all right, well, this team's going to basically start one first down from field goal range. And when you have a good kicker on the other side, like the Steelers did last week with Boswell, there was one possession in there where Zentner's punting from deep in his own territory and he barely gets it to midfield. They return it to about the 40 or the 35 of the Texans. You're in field goal range already. Johnston at least brings the possibility or the likelihood even of swinging the field, even when you're operating from bad field position, if you're at your own 20 and you're punting, I feel like there's a chance Cam Johnson is going to put the other team back on their own 20 from, from that punt. It's the ceiling of what he brings in his ability to swing the field for me versus, you know, the average net that he brings on, you know, punt to punt. Cause that's kind of a nuanced thing, depending if you're, you know, some punts you're trying to pin, pin them deep if you're doing it from midfield and so forth. I think just the ability the, the the ability for the punt game to not really factor into negative field position for the Texans. I feel like Cam Johnston is always going to is is virtually always going to put them in a good situation defensively field position wise. Still, the only yeah, free agent Nick Casario is given a three year contract to his contracts okay. up. And I think just what you said will be highlighted. The rest of the season, assuming he doesn't re-aggravate his hamstring injury. Yeah. But also, he's really good at putting balls inside the 20, closer inside the 15. So people kind of take that for granted. But that play last week where Zentner had like a 35 or 32-yard punt that put Pittsburgh in great position to yeah. actually score a touchdown, 
uh, I think people are going to see a huge difference, and it'll be because of Johnston. Yeah, he's he, Zentner's just not an NFL punter. I'm sure he's a great kid. Um, all right, John, before we get to our for real or fugazis, let's spend a few minutes. Astros have Minnesota. We now know Minnesota will be the opponent, which is what most Astro fans wanted, I think. I actually did a poll. Who would you rather face, Correa or Springer in the next round? Not Twins or Blue Jays, but Correa or Springer. I think a lot of Astro fans are very anxious to uh, as much as we love Carlos Correa and as stout an Astro as he was, especially through the sign stealing scandal, there is something about Carlos Correa that looks like it'd be awfully fun to make him lose to beat Carlos Correa. So 80% of the people that voted in the poll I put up said, I want to face Correa in the playoffs and now they get their wish. What do you think of the Minnesota twins as an opponent for these guys, John? Be careful what you wish for. He, he had uh, the lowest OPS of his career in full season and he battled injuries, plantar fasciitis in September. But he came back and he had team high three hits, made a big play defensively Huge. in both of their victories over the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays went quietly into the night. And the Twins led the American League in home runs, but their bullpen and their starting pitching, their starting pitching was fantastic. It's really good. Against the Jays. And, and they've got a good rotation. And, 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 uh, the relief pitcher, Johan, is that his name? Yeah. You know, the guy throws 102. Yeah. yeah. The Twins won both series against the Astros this season, mm -hmm. but the Twins did not face Verlander, of course. Right. They also didn't face Frommer Valdez or Christian Javier, and Javier is coming off his best outing of the wow. season. Maybe he's finally turned the corner, but he better. And Frommer's got to bounce back from those two wretched performances he had in his last two starts. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't realize that John, that the, in those six games they played with the twins, they never faced Fromber or Javier in any of those series, huh? It's just all JP France and Hunter Brown and guys like that. Huh? The way it broke. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Um, I am, uh, the twins have really good pitching. No doubt. It, whoever won that series, Jays or twins, I was going to say they've got better pitching than the Astros this year. They do. Both of those teams did. So uh, conventional wisdom says, okay, well that's a cause for concern. I'm not that concerned about it, honestly. The Astros are—they've been hitting in the month of September. You know, they—they've—Abreu has started to hit. Martin, we know Martin Maldonado is going to play. It's not going to be Yiner Diaz. So Martin has started to hit a little bit. He—I think he had an OPS of 784 in the month of September, which is for not for him. That's like for any other player in the league. That's like having an OPS of 1500. You know, um, so they—and they hit good pitching, John. Like the—that's the, all you face when you get to the postseason. By and large, is good pitching. The Astros have been to six straight ALCSs and won two World Series. They hit good pitching. I'm worried about the Astros pitching. And more specifically, I'm worried about the fact that Dusty Baker is going to be put in spots where he's having to make a lot of decisions for this team that he didn't have to make last year. Like, we're going to be trusting Dusty's gut a lot in this postseason. Like, last year, the analogy I made today on Payne and Pendergast was like, last year, Dusty, if he were an airline pilot, last year the flight that he was on in the postseason was one where he could just flip it to autopilot. He can go hang out in the cabin and walk around and sip a coffee and talk to the passengers while the plane is just going on its merry way. This year, this year, it's like this weather outside out here. It's pouring rain. There's wind. It's torrential downpours. There's lightning and Dusty's having to, he's going to be having to hit all these buttons and flip these switches and, and, and ask the co-pilot for things and be on the, 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 the intercom and telling people to calm down. And I, I got this, I can pilot this plane. Stop telling me, stop telling me how to pilot this plane. Um, it's going to be very different this year. And that part is, I'll be honest, it's super intriguing to me 
as an Astros fan, it makes me very nervous. So that's the part I think they're going to hit. I'm not worried about hitting Twins pitching. They'll hit. I'm not worried about who they face in the ALCS. If and when they get there, they'll hit. The pitching and Dusty's management of the pitching is my biggest concern. And Javier is the biggest X factor. Because I think if you don't get vintage Verlander and vintage Fromber, then you weren't going to win anyways. Javier is the one that needs to recapture, honestly, like just 80% of the magic from last year's postseason. He doesn't have to be no hitter, Javier. But he's got to be five to six innings of good, solid, quality pitching. That's the X factor to me, Christian Javier. The elephant in the room that the Astros claim is no big deal now because it's the playoffs is how rotten they were at Minute Maid Park. Yeah. 39 and 42. No team has ever won a World Series. They had a losing record at home. Wow, that's a good stat, John. And they're the first one to, let's see, they could be the first one. The, the Braves had the last team that had a bad home record, but it was still a winning record. Mm-hmm. They got to the World Series was the Braves. And before that, you got to go way back just to get there. And it's amazing to me, Sean, they hit 40 more home runs on the road than at home. And it's supposed to be a hitter's ballpark. Yeah, They, they couldn't locate the Crawford boxes with a telescope. Yeah, <laughs> Altuve, Alvarez, Tucker, and uh, – uh, Bregman all hit better on the road hmm. than at home. Hmm. And it's a good thing they extended the batter's eye and put the paint up there because after they did, they went one in six at home. Yeah, no kidding. I, I don't know if they realize like the other team uses the same batter's eye that you do, Ash. And they used it last year, too. Yeah, yeah, every year, John. I, it's funny. They, you don't walk across the street and play at a different stadium to let the other team hit. You play in the same, you play in the same ballpark. Um, yeah, that's why. And John, you didn't even mention Pena has an eight home run since before the all-star game. July 5th was his last home run, but I tell you who has, and that is, uh, Jose Abreu saved his best month for last, even though Yardon Alvarez was player of the month, Abreu had more RBIs, had his, Abreu's OPS was 911 in, uh, in September. So maybe, maybe he'll, he can keep that up. And maybe Pena will hit a home run for the first time since the day after the 4th of July. That would be beautiful. All right, John, you want to do uh, – I know we got to get you out of here in about 10 minutes. You want to rapid-fire some for real or for gazes here? Absolutely. All right, we dig into some of the Texans and other storylines around the uh, around the league uh, and other things, maybe not just football. In a segment we call for real or Fugazi. I read a sentence to John. If John agrees with it, if he thinks I'm on target with it, he says, for real. If I read the sentence to him and he thinks I'm off base, I'm crazy, I'm nuts, it's false, he says... Fugazi. Fugazi. That's Italian for counterfeit or fake. As if, as in, Sean, your sentence there is fake and false and phony. Get off of my TV. All right. Um, John, uh, expectations for the Texans coming into the season were for about a five or six win team. You picked them to be six and 11. I picked them to be seven and 10. We recalibrate expectations, possibly, for real or Fugazi. The Texans are a nine-win football team. Fugazi. I'm not going to have them jump up from wow. three to nine. You might, but if they, I could put them up around eight. And, of course, the injuries will tell the tale. But when you look at their schedule, most of the games are winnable. Two games that we had them down for losses from the get-go, the Bengals are one and three. Now they're probably going to bounce back, but the Jets – are not going to bounce back from the loss of Aaron Rodgers. And I don't care how well Zach Wilson plays at that time of the year, they're still not going to be as dangerous. 
And they may have already played the best team they're going to play this season. That's the Ravens who are leading the AFC North. John, I, um, Seth and I kind of did a peek ahead at the schedule for the rest of the year today, just to, you know, very, very surface level, not, not a deep dive. The biggest question mark, I think, if, it, if this is who the Texans are and C.J. Stroud stays healthy and we know they're going to win some and lose some, I think the biggest swing for the Texans is going to be the question, what are the Titans doing late in the season? Like, what are the Titans? Because they play them both games against the Titans are in December, week 15 and week 17. The window for the Titans is anywhere from competing for the division to, hey, let's see what we have in Malik Willis or Will Levis. Like, if they're in that mode at the end of the year, that's probably two wins for the Texans. If they're not in that mode, then it's going to be two dogfights for the Texans. I think that's the biggest swing to me for the Texans for the balance of the season is those two Titan games, the Columbia blue oiler uniform game, and then the new year's Eve game at NRG stadium. What the Titans have is the best defense in the, in the division and about one of the best run defenses in the NFL, but their offense is so sporadic. It's a roller coaster and it all depends on, it, on Henry and 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 Tannehill because if Derrick Henry's not rushing for over a hundred yards, Tannehill's not effective. So I'm guessing you know Henry faces eight man fronts all the time. Yeah, but he has been up and down this season too. He's coming off his best game. Tannehill is off to a terrible start, but when teams have to worry about him, he can throw five passes like he did Sunday to DeAndre Hopkins. But there's not a great team. I still think if a team has the best chance to win, it'd be the Jaguars. They came off that great game against Atlanta and London. Now, after, look, Texans embarrassed them. Now, uh, the Texans have to do the same thing to the Falcons. But as we've been saying, uh, AFC South, if the Texans win this game, I'm going to be thinking, why not the Texans? Yeah, absolutely. I'm already thinking that way, John. Absolutely. Um, All right, John, next one. Hey, Denzel Perryman is back from his broken hand or wrist or whatever it was, but Christian Harris and Henry Toa Toa have been just fine for real or Fugazi. Just leave Harris and Toa Toa out there. Uh, I think that's for real. I would leave Harris, Toa Toa, and get Blake Cashman in whenever I could when you're playing three linebackers and tell Denzel Perryman, I know you're the leading tackler, but you got a club on one end. Just relax till you're 100% and that comes off. We're doing fine. Now, in, in it's maybe some running situations when they need a physical linebacker to shoot that gap, Maybe they put him in on third and one or fourth and one, obviously running plays. But overall, Toto's only going to get bigger. Yeah. All right, let's keep it moving here. Uh, the the, uh, the Carolina Panthers, John, are supposedly rumored to be looking for help for Bryce Young, who has been uh, abjectly terrible through the first three starts, four games of his career. The Panthers are 0-4, and they're supposedly chasing, trying to chase big-time wide receiver help. For real or for Gazy, this is exactly what the Panthers should do. Go get Bryce Young some weapons. Cost be damned. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to say Fugazi. That's the right answer. They don't have their number one pick. Yeah. And so what do they have to offer? They can't offer their number one pick in 2025. T. Higgins is hurt. That's a guy that they supposedly are talking about because he's going to have to have a big contract. But I think you go ahead and they added a bunch of veterans. They made a lot of changes on the roster. They bring in all veteran coaches for Frank Reich, veteran play callers. And so I don't think it's the end of the world for them right now. You know, they're going to have to wait till longer, but I don't see them doing that and sacrificing number one pick in two years 
or their second round pick this year since they already gave up the one. Yeah, they. I mean, they've emptied the chamber to get Bryce Young. I, I don't think it's so now you got to empty even more of the chamber to go get help for him because he needs help. CJ Stroud didn't need any help, John. I'm just saying, you know, you didn't need any help. Great quarterbacks um, make great receivers. You got that right. All right, next one. Um, Aaron Rodgers has said to multiple outlets that he plans on coming back sometime this season, John. He's attacking rehab five hours a day to try to get back this season. For real or Fugazi, Aaron Rodgers will be back playing sometime in the 2023 season. Fugazi. <laughs> if he does, it's because he's been immunized. And no telling what he's going to get immunized with. If they're playing well enough to make the playoffs, that means Zach Wilson has improved right. dramatically. So why would you want to all of a sudden pull him out and put in Rodgers, who's missed all that time with a after he had a surgery to repair Achilles tendon? So, no, I think that sounds good. People get fired up. But what's the point at his age to try to rush him back instead of waiting till next season? You think he plays again, though, right, John? Not this year. Oh, yeah, he yeah. Plays he's, next year? He's, yeah. He's already said he'll be back. And he makes so much money. He doesn't want to go out with an injury like this. And no. uh, he's single. He doesn't have kids. You know, what does he have? I don't even know if he plays golf other than making a lot of media appearances. He with Pat McAfee, I don't know what he does on the side. He sits in the woods and eats mushrooms all day. That's he what he does. In, he goes in the darkness. Right. That's it, man. All right. Two more, John. Um, the NFL actually had to put out a statement, or at least they felt the need to put out a statement to explain their strategy on social media of leaning into the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey phenomenon. They changed their bio for the league. They changed the avatars on the various social media accounts. They changed them back eventually, like they always do. But it got a lot of people angry, maybe even favoritism towards the Chiefs, John. For real or Fugazi, the NFL, they were right to put out a statement explaining why they're leaning into the T-Swift phenomenon. Sure, why not? I like it. I'd rather watch Taylor Swift and, and Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman and Mrs. Kelsey in the suite than the Giants, the Bears, the Broncos, those teams that are boring. And the fact is, it's the same reason they do things on Nickelodeon. They're trying to reach young fans and everybody thinks taylor swift's only fans are young girls no there's a lot of young guys that like her too there's yeah. a lot of old guys like me that like her I so like i think anything they can do to try to grow their audience with a younger crowd is good and i'm kind of fascinated by the whole thing i doubt seriously they're going to get married and live happily ever after i doubt it Milk too. It while you can I doubt it too. But do you think the NFL had to put out a statement, John? That was my for real of Rugazi, that the NFL was right to put out a statement explaining themselves to people on social media. I think they did it for the old farts like us that were complaining okay. about it all the time. And I think that statement yeah. got got picked up by every media outlet. Just mm -hmm. another example of the NFL being so far ahead of everybody else when it comes to PR. Okay, so that's not a Fugazi. That is a... For real. For real. Okay, last one, John. For real or Fugazi? Astros in four. Fugazi, I think it's going to go five. I think it'll go. the pitching is so good. Uh, the hitting is good, but the pitching is great. Both bullpens are great. I think it'll be low scoring, and I think it'll go five. Oh, man. Can you imagine a game five in the ALDS? That's a fun, that's a fun night of watching some baseball right there. Yeah, while you're watching on your big screen TV setup, <laughs> I'll be in the suite. Yeah, I know. I know. That's uh, John. 
Flex while you can, buddy. Of course. I got a gravy train off you. I need to, I need to get, I need to find my way into that center field suite sometime, John. I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get on the John McClain gravy train at some point. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, if it comes to that, uh, we'll get tickets and you name, he can join us. Okay. All right. Well, that's the giddy up, John. No pressure. Um, uh, John, what do you got going on on the website? I know you got to get to Texas. We got to right? pick her. We got to pick the score, right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Pre- yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you, John. Game prediction on the score between the Texans and the Falcons. Yes. Yes. We should have done that back in the six pack. Go I'm ahead. I'm picking the Texans to win this game. 23, 20, 23, 20. I got Texans, 27 Falcons, 17. Wow. So I've got the, yeah. Three double figures in a row. I'm writing a column about CJ and his, Wide receivers, primarily Nico Collins for Friday. We'll have five things to watch on Friday. And I'm writing an Astros column today that will be posted this afternoon on sportsradio610.com. Good stuff, John. Always enjoy it. By the way, our producer James is in the chat right now. Uh, he's he's campaigning. If the Phillies are back in the World Series with the Astros, he's campaigning for some of those center field suite tickets, John. Just so, you, just so you're mentally prepared for that when that, when that comes down. <laughs> uh, John, I enjoyed it as always. Thank you very much, Sean. All right, good stuff. And when, speaking of James, we thank him. Does an amazing job uh, getting this podcast out to all of you. All the videos that you see online that John and I are tweeting out, uh, of course, on the Sports Radio 610 YouTube channel. We see a lot of these. You'll see a lot of the video from this podcast. If you're watching it, we appreciate it. If you download and subscribe, we really appreciate it. If you don't subscribe yet, please do. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get the podcast automatically each day that we do. We do three episodes a week, one right after the game is over on Sundays. We do a mailbag on Tuesday, mailbag at gmail.com is the email address. And then, of course, we do this Thursday preview episode for the upcoming game and a little for real with the Gaze. So, for James Jackson and John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you Sunday evening after what is hopefully a Texans' third straight victory uh, in Atlanta against the Falcons. Have a great weekend, everybody.